0: Last week we looked at Abraham and how God was going to bless the whole earth through Abraham's descendants. Uh, and this week we're going to finish up the, the book of Genesis looking at the life of Joseph. And there is one major theme that as I read through this, this narrative, this great narrative, and by the way Hollywood has nothing on this. Okay, This is, this is an awesome story of redemption because this is God's story. This is God's story and many, many of God's people can relate to the providence, God's providence, divine providence working in their lives just like with Joseph, God's hand being upon his people regardless of the adversity or injustice that they face. And so Joseph is a beautiful story of the providence of God. We see Not only the providence of God and the hand of God upon his life, but we also see a faithful response, a human response to the providence of God. And we see the beautiful relationship between human responsibility and divine providence. And so that's what we're going to look at today here. And the big idea is simply this. And we're going to to cover a lot of the, the narrative, and I'm going to try to just tell the narratives without reading a lot of it Uh, but here's the big idea this is where we're going god cares for and intervenes in the lives of his people to fulfill his plans regardless of the adversity or injustice that they face god cares for and intervenes in the lives of his people to fulfill his plans regardless of the adversity that they face amen so with that said, I'm going to pray and we'll dig into Genesis 37, Father. Thank you for your word. I praise you that you have given us an inspired and infallible and errant word. Faithful words that ring true today, that stand true today, that are there for our encouragement, for our instruction that we might live lives here on earth with hope because you have a purpose and a plan that you are working out even in the painful circumstances of this life, even in the bitter. Bitter providences in in the times that are difficult and bitter and challenging. God, you have your hand upon your people. And I pray that that awareness would rise within us and comfort us and encourage us and give us hope and inspire us and motivate us to respond faithfully as Joseph did. In Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis chapter 37 We have Joseph, who is the great-grandson of Abraham. So Abraham has Isaac, promised son, Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons. That's a lot of sons. Uh, He has two wives. As as you recall, if you've read through the, the narrative with us, he was tricked into marrying Leah, So he thought he was going to get Rachel as a wife after working seven years. And his father-in-law Laban tricked him and and gave him Leah. Okay, so he marries Leah. And then he has to work another seven years. But he gets Rachel as his wife. And and Leah's fruitful and just has all these children. So uh, Rachel has two, Joseph and Benjamin. Or Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel and he loved Joseph. Joseph was a favored son and a hated brother. He was favored by his father. Let's look at this text real quick. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, Israel, now that's also Jacob, by the way. Remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, okay? Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, the, all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he, when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So I'm going to stop there and just expound on this a little bit. Just, I want to, want to kind of set the scene here of the life of, of Joseph. And the scene is simply this. Joseph is a young man. He's favored by his dad. His dad is actually showing favoritism towards Joseph over the other sons. How many of y'all are parents know that it's not good to show favoritism with your children because that will cause dysfunction in the family? This was a dysfunctional family. OK, so if you come from a dysfunctional family, I hope this is encouraging to you because the dysfunction of your family does not have to determine God's destiny and plan for your life and his, his your future. Amen. God can redeem and work through even dysfunctional families. And we have that with the patriarchs. We have that with Abraham, as we talked about last week. God worked through Abraham's faith, but he also worked in spite of his failure and through his failure. God still worked through it all. God is a God of redemption. God is a God of providence. He's a a sovereign God and he knows how to work all things together for good. He is he is doing something bigger than we can see on the surface. And so anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Joseph was favored by his dad but hated by his his brothers. Imagine just first of all, Israel loved Jacob or Joseph more, so there was that favoritism. Then he makes them he makes Joseph this coat. And it probably wasn't like a real practical coat that a shepherd would use. This was like a a more fancy coat a colorful coat that that just evoked more anger and jealousy from his brothers it was it was a symbol it was a reminder when they saw joseph wearing that coat it was a reminder that dad loves him more than us and it was painful and then joseph he's he's a tattertale too here he's uh he has a bad report, and it wasn't necessarily bad. By the way, I, I, I don't want to slam on Joseph in any way uh, because I don't think the Scripture here in Genesis records any specific failures. It doesn't tell us any specific failures that I'm aware of. You can read into it and say, well, this was wrong, this was wrong. But I think Joseph was, was a godly man, and that's, the Scripture points that out. He, was, he walked. Uh, he had favor with God. The presence of God was with him, and he did what was right. Right in the sight of the Lord and God, God blessed him. So anyways, so he has a dream. He has two dreams. The first one is that his, his, him and his brothers have these sheaves of grain and then their sheaves bow down to his sheaf. How's that going to go over if you tell your brothers that are jealous of you and they already have bitterness towards you and you go, hey, I had this dream. I want to tell you guys about this dream. How do you think that's going to go over? That's not going to help the relationship and the dysfunction in the family just deepen the wounds even more. So then he has another dream that the sun and the moon and the stars bow down to him and he tells it to his father and his dad. It's like, oh. You know, it's like and some would say that Joseph was like an arrogant little 17-year-old or maybe a naive uh, 17 year old. I don't think that necessarily is the wisest thing to do when you got brothers that hate you to openly share a dream like that. Some dreams we just need to keep to ourselves and just like just wait and see if God brings those to the path. <laughs> um, nevertheless, God worked through him being hated by his brothers because his brothers from there uh, throw him in a pit. Sell him as a slave. Okay, talk about injustice. Okay, this is, this is a blood brother, half brother for most of them. This is a half brother, blood brother, and he's sold as a slave. He's forsaken and hated by his brothers, and yet it was all a part of God's plan to bring about redemption, God was working through it. Joseph may not have seen what was going on; he may not have understood, and surely it didn't feel good while he was in the pit. Surely it didn't feel good when his brothers were were, were bitter towards him and, and spoke. Um, they couldn't even speak peacefully with him. Verse four says uh, they hated him and they could not speak peacefully to him that's dysfunction that's a dysfunctional family so that's scene number one so joseph has a dream all right and that dream was from god that was a divine and actually we'll see that throughout the rest of this narrative we see god intervening and interacting with his creation and with his people specifically in this text through dreams god speaks in various ways to us Here's one of the biggest and primary ways that we need to expect him to speak to us through his inspired word, right? But he's not just limited to speaking through, through this, right? He speaks to us through dreams, through visions, through our wives or our husbands, <laughs> our children, our circumstances, our employers, prophecy. He speaks to us through other brothers and sisters who hear from God and can share words that are encouraging from his heart. He speaks to us in various different ways. Amen. The question is, are we listening and are we responding and obeying his voice when we hear from him? So Joseph has a dream that's from God. God God-given dream thrown in jail. He gets thrown in the pit for it. it. It makes things worse for him as he shares them. So the next scene is, is in uh, Genesis 39, Genesis 39. Now, when Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian, of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, the, in his sight and attended him and made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time he made him an overseer and in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for, the, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. Let me just pause there. Because there, this is a reoccurring theme. And this goes back to Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed humanity and said, be fruitful and multiply. We see that reoccurring in, with, with God speaking to Abraham and promising Abraham and his descendants. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You, I will bless you and make your name great, and, and you'll have a lot of descendants. And, and through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham was to be not only a recipient of the blessing of God, but a channel through which God's blessing flowed into all the peoples of the world. And we see Joseph, who is a descendant of Abraham, we see blessing coming to the house of the, to the Egyptian's house. I love this. I love to see God's hand upon this life. And all this speaks about when, when we read the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, God blessed him, blessed the Egyptian's house. We see providence in here. I think the author of Hebrews wants us to see that God's hand is on him and he's working through all these things. I think that's the big idea. That's the main point here. More so than this is, here's five steps to be a successful businessman from the life of Joseph. Uh, win friends and, and have influence or whatever. You know, now, I think there's some principles there that could be taken. But I think the big idea here that, that Genesis, that the that Moses, who I believe wrote Genesis, and God wants to see through it, is the providence of God, the hand of God, the plans of God being weaved in throughout human history, coming to pass. Amen? So God's working in the life of Joseph. And so so the Lord's with him. So now verse 6. Verse 6 says, And he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything he anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on joseph and said lie with me but he refused and said to his master's wife behold because my because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put me in charge of everything that that he has in my charge he is not greater in this house than i am nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. But one day, what's going to happen here? But one day, it's like a soap opera, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's not like a soap opera. It's the opposite. But one day... When when he went into the house uh, to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard, heard that, I lifted up my voice and, and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came. And she told him that, that the, the same story, saying the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us. Uh, came in to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words of his wife t- spoken to him, This is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. And whatever was done there, he was told the one who who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, uh, the Lord made succeed. Amen. So this is powerful. So again, Joseph goes from being the favored son and hated brother to being thrown into a pit forsaken by his brothers and then he gets promoted and things are going well for him he's being faithful he's being responsible he's not doing anything wrong and then he gets falsely accused talk about injustice talk about injustice i mean if that was going on today there would be likely to be some kind of movement like joseph's life matter you know (laughs) I mean, there would be some kind of movement going on, like, get justice for my son, Joseph. I mean, this is crazy. This is, this is wrong. This is wrong. What's being done to him is wrong. He got given a, a, a difficult lot in life, okay? Bitter providence. Yet God knows how to turn the bitter into sweet providences. You just got to wait. And you just got to be faithful and you got to trust him. He will come through. He is working. And I love this. I love what, the, what the, the, the author here keeps emphasizing. But the Lord was with Joseph. So everything else is going wrong. His life is falling apart. He just lost his job. He just got thrown in jail. His reputation just got squashed. Life stinks. But the Lord is with Joseph. And you know what? That is more than enough no matter where you're at in life. Whether things are going good for you or things are really hard and painful and difficult and your life is falling apart or it feels like it. When you have the the comfort and the blessing of having God with you, his presence with you, his favor on you, his smile towards you, it changes how you do life. It changes how you spend your time in those waiting years of bitter providence. It changes how you respond when you're in the pit. How you respond when you're in prison. How you respond to those who falsely accuse you and those who've done you wrong. Amen. The Lord was with him over and over. God blessed him. Uh, Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. I believe the, the Hebrew word is hesed. Uh, God's steadfast love, which is a common theme throughout the Old Testament, God's love and faithfulness is his hesed. Um, and he gave him favor. Uh, so when you don't see God's hand in your circumstances, trust his heart and trust in his steadfast love. Because he's for you, he's with you, he's not against you, and he's not. He, he is going to orchestrate and work things together for your good, whether you see it or not. Amen. So the Lord was with him. And, and we have this promise, too. Do we not? Do we not have this promise in the New Testament? Does not Jesus promise he'll never leave us? He'll never forsake us. He God is for us. Therefore, who can be against us? Okay, He's for us. He's with us. He's with us. That's enough. So regardless of what life throws at us, what, whatever God brings our way, he's with us and he's for us and that's enough. By the way, everything in life for, for, for us, for the saints, is filtered by an all-loving, all-powerful, all-wise God. Everything in life that you go through and experience has been filtered through an all-loving, all-powerful, and all-wise God. And you may not understand why he allowed it or why he sent it your way, but he has a bigger plan to work things for your good and for the good of those around you. And, And this life, your life, is much bigger than just your story. God has a big, grand story of redemption that he's working out. And you're just, you and I are just a part in the tapestry, we're, we're 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 just a part in the story of of his redemption. Joseph is a part in the story. By the way, in in Genesis chapter eleven, the, the the one thing that that the author of Hebrews Genesis eleven, in Hebrews chapter eleven, the one thing that that Joseph is acknowledged for by his faith was that by faith he had his bones transferred back to his father's land. You know when he died. You know that's that's it. What about all these other things? You know. He was faithful. He was a man of integrity and so on. So so check this out. The providence of God. Let's let's just talk a little bit about this. Um, The providence of God, because I keep using this word and some of y'all are like, please give me a definition. What is the providence of God? Wayne Grudem does an excellent job in describing and defining what the providence of God is in his systematic theology book, and it, it describes the providence of God as this. God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he has created them. He cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act and to do. And he directs them to fulfill his purposes. I know that's a mouthful, Selah, just two just on that. Take a picture if you want and read it later. Uh, Let that sink in. But this is is something we see throughout the whole narrative of Scripture. He's in control. He's sovereign. He is providentially guiding events and working through events to bring about his plans and purposes in human history. And there are things that are just going to happen because God says they're going to happen. Amen? Yet we have a part in this. And, and our choices and our responsibility matters and we 'll talk a little bit about that but but this is huge. this is basic. this will get you through the most difficult times when you can trust this, trust in God, a God who is in charge. I, I love how it says over and over that Joseph was in charge, like he kept getting places of authority and and you know i think it's it 's fitting to to give people places of authority who know who. For to those who know who's ultimately in charge and live as if God is ultimately in charge. Amen. So Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with Joseph. But I love Joseph's response in it. Notice how he responds to this. First of all, it says he refused. And and he says this. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her. So Joseph had a sense of responsibility and integrity in his daily living. He lived with an awareness, I believe, that God was with him, that that God sees. God sees everything. And when you and I live with that awareness that God sees everything, that we can't play hide and seek with God and win, he sees everything. Nothing gets by him. It helps us to make decisions of integrity when we think nobody else is looking when nobody else is looking except god all right and joseph responds in that way he not only saw sleeping with potiphar's wife as a sin that would be an offense towards potiphar but he saw that as a sin ultimately that would be towards god david uh, said the same thing in psalm 51 when david repented He said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this wickedness in your sight. Though he stole Uriah's wife and and had Uriah put on the front line of battle and killed and so on, David recognized that ultimately his sin was against Almighty God. And this is key for us. This this will help us and and motivate us to have a a healthy fear of God and, and, and motivation to live in holiness and integrity, knowing that God sees God sees you even when you're forsaken, even when you're falsely accused, even when things are terrible, going terrible in your life. And, and really, it's it's in those times that we tend to be most vulnerable to temptation, by the way. Is that not true? When you feel like you've been done wrong, and you can start mentally justifying your indulgence in sin because they did me wrong. So I have this right now to... to Commit this sin. That 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 is so many people's logic as they indulge in sexual sin and, and different types of sin. There's this justification, like like blaming God. Why why didn't you do anything, God? Why why are, do you not even care about me? And so it's like just indulging this sin. But that wasn't the case with Joseph. He didn't play the pull the victim card. Okay. He, wasn't, he, wasn't, he didn't have this victim mentality. He lived in integrity, and he had this view that God was watching, that God was with him, that God was for him. And and we hear it come out. He expresses it explicitly at the end of the book, what his view was, how he saw God's hand in and through all this. I don't know if he completely got it or at what point in the story he completely got it, that God was working through all that. But eventually he got this view that God is working through all this, even being forsaken and sold by his brothers, even being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown in jail. The Lord was with him. Amen. So we see the providence of God. Um, so Joseph's in jail. And then there's there's a cupbearer and there is a, um, a butler. They both had dreams. And Joseph interprets their dreams So the cupbearer was a favorable interpretation, and what Joseph said would happen, happened, okay? And then the other guy, he got got hanged, and Joseph told him, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be lifted up. You're going to be killed. You know, he thought he was going to get a a, a positive word from Joseph, a positive interpretation of that dream, and it ended up being a a nightmare for him. Um, And then... Joseph gets forgotten about. He's left in jail, so he's forgotten by this guy that he gave a favorable interpretation from God. Then later on, Pharaoh, Pharaoh gets a dream, and he's troubled by it. And he, he nobody can nobody can interpret that dream. And this cupbearer guy, he remembers, he remembers that uh, there's this there's this Hebrew guy in jail that gave the, gave me the inter- interpretation of my dream one time. Maybe we should go ask him. And he's like, Pharaoh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot about this guy. I was wrong. And, and so Joseph's called upon. And I love Joseph's response when, when Pharaoh, when, when, when he sought out to, to interpret Pharaoh's dream, he said, it's not me. It's not me, Pharaoh, but it's God who gives the interpretation from the dream. So, so Joseph had this perspective of God's sovereignty and God's providence and God working. He had it. He, he got it. He wasn't going to take credit for the interpretations of the dreams or the dreams. And so in the dreams, basically, Joseph interprets the dreams that there was going to be seven years of famine and and seven years of plenty and then seven years of of famine. And Joseph comes up with a plan and submits it to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, "Who, who else are we going to get that can do this? Who else has the spirit of God like this man? And as I read that this week in our Bible reading plan, I couldn't help but think of another person in the New Testament who had the Spirit of God upon him to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and so on. Jesus. By the way, there are many parallels uh, with Joseph in the life of Jesus um, when, you, when you look at that. Now, we'll look at a couple of them here at the very end. Joseph goes from the pit to prison to the palace to the pinnacle of power uh, in in egypt and god exalted him god lifted him up in due time we're told in first peter 5 it says humble yourself under the mighty hand of god that he might exalt you in due time god is working amen so let's look at this at the end of the story joseph his brothers come they're hungry so the famine hits they're in a couple years into the famine, and they, they need food from Egypt, and Joseph is in charge of giving that out. So he's filtering it, okay? So his brother, the, the, Jacob, or Israel, sends the sons to go get some food from Egypt, and lo and behold, there's little brother Joseph, whose dreams are coming true. And now he's going to get you. <laughs> he had him cornered. He had, he had, Joseph had them by his little pinky, you know, and he could have been like, oh, okay, now you want some food for me? Now he let them tremble. Just read the narrative. It's it's very interesting. He, he let them, he let them feel the guilt of their sin. You know, he let them tremble as, as they're, they're like, man, God's punishing us for, for our younger brother years ago. They still had that sense of guilt within them. And they didn't know that Joseph understood Hebrew. That he was he heard, understood their language as they're talking. So he's using an interpreter, and he's understanding what's what's being said there. And so they, there's there's all this there's this transaction. They go back and and back and forth, and and finally Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and because they didn't recognize him, and he weeps like it's so loud, everybody hears the weeping, and we have. What in in this text, we have the ultimate family reunion, the ultimate family reunion where there was this dysfunctional family where the father thought that his most loved son was dead. Okay, they brought him back that the the brothers brought back that coat of colors with blood on it and and just presented it to to dad. And, And dad was like an animal must have devoured him. So all those years he thought he Joseph was eaten by an animal And he was alive. And so there's this uh, just beautiful, beautiful redemptive story where they're weeping and crying. And God restores and God provides and God works through all that. And and this is Joseph's response. This is Joseph's perspective concerning divine providence and human responsibility. He says this in in Genesis 45 verse 5. He says, now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. These are two key verses to understanding the narrative that give us insight to the big point, the big idea of Joseph's narrative. God was working through this. Now, I don't know about you, but that's mind-boggling to me because what they did was wrong. This does not justify their sin. Hating your brother is wrong. It's very clear in Scripture selling your brother, you know, I mean, whatever, you don't sell your brother for a profit. That's just wrong. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to know that you can be a complete heathen atheist and know that you just don't sell your brother. You don't, you don't do your brother like that or your sister. But Joseph has this perspective that God was working through all of it. God's hand was on him. God was with him. God's favor was on him. God's blessing came through him, regardless of the bitterness and the painful circumstances that he went through this should give hope to us ladies and gentlemen this should this should comfort us encourage us when we're in the midst of those broken times those difficult times knowing that everything in our life is filtered by an all-loving all-powerful all-wise God who works all things together for our good now this is easier said than done This is easier to celebrate and talk about when life is good and blessings are abounding and it's everything smooth with my family, with my job, with my health. Everything's going great. Life is good. But then you get some curves in the road and some bumps in the road of life. And all of a sudden, this is a hard truth to embrace or accept. And many people struggle with this reality that God is in charge He's in control. He's working. You know, God doesn't just he didn't just create everything and wind it up like a clock and let it go. So that's deism. He didn't just he's not impersonal to his creation. He's not like a clockmaker who makes a clock and then just you're on your own. Just give it batteries, plug it in, let it go. And then maybe change out the battery every once in a while. Our battery's working fine on this clock. Um, God's not like that. He is intimately and personally involved with his creation that he made good and he continues to display and express his goodness to his creation, especially to us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, as we, we saw earlier, God showed his steadfast love to Joseph. God was with Joseph. His presence and his love and kindness was with him. That will sustain us through the most difficult times. And having this perspective will help sustain us through the most difficult of times. That God is working in it. God is working through it. God has a bigger plan. You may not see it yet. If you if you uh, stopped in your Bible reading plan and didn't get through the end of the story of Joseph and that was the first time you ever read it, you might have come to the conclusion that, man, this is a bad story, (laughs) you know, but it doesn't end there. You know, if you if you're reading the book of Job and, and you don't get to the end of the story, you'll come to the conclusion. This is a bad story. You know, we don't like stories that have a bad ending. We want a positive ending happily ever after. Right. You know, there's a conflict. There's re- resolution, and then everything's peaceful and happy. Like, those are the kind of stories that we like. And you know what? That's God's story. That's God's story. There is a resolve. And you know what? It all culminates with him making a new heavens and new earth and, and all things new and, and where there's no more sin and there's no more sorrow and there's no more suffering. And, and, and God does away with the presence of sin and those who persist in the wickedness of sin. God knows the end of the story, and he's going to bring it about, and he's going to work all things together for our good. Amen? So this will sustain us. Notice verse 20, Genesis 50, verse 20. He said this, as for you, you meant evil against me. Okay? So so he is um, he, he's affirming what they did was wrong. That was evil. You hated me. You are jealous of me. You sold me. You've forsaken me. I'm your brother. That was wrong. That was evil. But God meant it for good. There were intentions, divine intentions, intentions through what happened. And there were human intentions that were evil and what happened. And we may not completely understand how those two work together, but we see the beautiful relationship of the two in Joseph's story. So you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And there's purpose in it. That was not purposeless pain. That was not purposeless pain. There was, that was a phrase that helped me and my wife when we started having babies. And we took some, some coaching on how to have those babies. Of course, I was just cheering her on. I was her cheerleader. But there were some phrases like that that stuck with me. And, and, and one of the phrases that stuck with me was purposeful pain. Purposeful pain. Sweetie, Kendall, this pain is purposeful. This doesn't feel good right now, Kendall. But that pain, God's using that pain in your body to bring Carson out, to bring Karis out, to bring Abigail out. It's purposeful pain. <laughs> and, and, of course, you know, she, that's, that's the last thing she's thinking about. She's like, Aah! Turn some calm music on. You know, God's working Through the painful circumstances, you know, and there's been many times as a worship leader and and when I've led songs like the one we sang today, Sovereign Over Us, and and, and, and I sing those words with the church and look out and I see there's beauty in our tears. Uh, And you meet us in our mourning and I look out and I see folks who just had a miscarriage or or just lost their job or 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 have got diagnosed with cancer and battling cancer and and i'm just i'm moved by the faithfulness and the kindness of god to be with his people through those times because there's 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 something really special for the saints when we go through those most difficult times there's something really special about getting close to god and experiencing his nearness when everything else is chaos around us, when we're stripped of everything that we took comfort in and that we relied in and that we hoped in and we delighted in and we're just left with God to trust in, we're just left with Him to delight in and, and to be our comfort and to be our refuge, there is something really special about being in that place. Don't waste that. If you're in that place or you've been through that place or you go through that place, don't waste that. God wants you to experience his nearness through it. And he wants to be your all in all through it. He wants to be your comforter, your redeemer. So that like, like Job, you'll be able to say, my redeemer lives. Though he slay me, I will trust him. Amen. So God, he says, you meant it for evil to his brothers, but God meant it for good that, that that he might bring it about that many people would be kept alive. God has a bigger plan through our pain. It's purposeful pain. Amen? Okay, so here's some New Testament parallels. Romans 8.28. I've already quoted this and alluded to this several times. And we know that for those who love God, how many of y'all love God in this place? Anybody love God? All right. Those who love God, God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. How many of y'all are called according to his purpose? So you love God. You're called according to his purpose. Okay, you can trust and be confident he's going to work things together for all things together for your good. Even even the most embarrassing moments, the most painful, the most embarrassing moments of your life. God's going to work it together for your good. Amen. Ephesians 1, 11 says that having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So, again, God doesn't just wind up creation and let it go by itself. He's working through, in cre- through the events of creation in human history, and he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. This should cause worship and praise and adoration to arise within us. There's some mystery in this, I understand, Right? We may not fully get this, and that's okay, but we should worship God because of this. Amen? And we should be comforted and have confidence in this. So check this out. Here's the parallel with Jesus. This is Peter preaching about Jesus' death, and Jesus knew that would come. And he said, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Okay? There's divine providence or sovereignty right there. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. So there's human responsibility. There's human action. You killed Jesus. He's, 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 he's confronting the people who killed Jesus and they were guilty. How many of y'all know it's a sin to kill the Son of God? That's a sin. Like, that makes spectacular Sins. If there was a chapter in the Bible that just had spectacular sins in it, like the Hall of Faith, the, the, the Hall of Spectacular Sins of all the, the, the saints and non-believers, this would, this would probably make it to that chapter if that was in there. But God worked through it. God, God was working in it. See, Joseph's brothers thought that they were, they were destroying his dreams, but yet they were actually fulfilling dreams his dreams god was causing them to come about through their lawless hands through what they did the same with jesus okay it looked like jesus was losing right it looked like the 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 christian movement was being squashed and it's it's gone we're not going to hear any more about this messiah jesus yet It explodes from here because God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by them. Jesus rose. He's alive. And that was all him dying on the cross for us was all a part of God's great big plan to save many. Amen. To save you and I. Because God was actually working through that to bring about our salvation. Last verse here, Acts four twenty seven. For truly, in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. So God was working in and through the death of Jesus. It was sin to murder Jesus, yet it was the plan of God, and God's means to bring about salvation for all of us here today. This is deep and heavy stuff, is it not? I mean, I hope you go home and and just let this sink in, you know, especially if you haven't wrestled with this before or let this truth sink in. But we also have a response, though. God will work and and works through uh, human history and is going to bring about his plans and purposes. That does not that does not one. It it does not justify wickedness. Okay, that does not mean that God does wickedness because he does not. He does not do evil. He's not tempted with evil. He doesn't do evil. He's good. Everything he does is good, just, and righteous. He is not an evil god. He's not like laughing. Oh, you know, when 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 evil things happen, it doesn't. uh, He's not laughing at the pain that it causes you when you when you lose a baby or whatever. I mean, he's 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 compassionate. He feels. He he weeps even, and he walks with us through those difficult times. And so he's not he's not an evil tyrant, like like a trying to make evil things like like with a puppet like a puppet master making evil things happen in your life. But he's sovereign and he's in charge and he's in control and he's working to bring good. His intentions are good. His motivation is love. Amen. His motivation is love. So he's going to bring good. He's going to bring glory to his to his name. Amen. So we have a response in this. We have a response in our life. We can't just just You know, pun up, you know, like with this idea of fate that, well, everything's just going to work out. Okay. Providence does not equal fate or fatalism. Well, just everything's going to work out or or luck. Providence doesn't equal luck or chance or superstition. Okay. This. This. Providence is a very personal thing where, where God, the, the personal God and creator, is personally involved in our life. It's not some impersonal work and, and chance that's happening in the universe by an impersonal, impersonal deity out there. Providence is, God is, as, as we see with Joseph, God was with him. His hand was upon him. His blessing was on him. So there's this personal closeness aspect within this this. Yet there's a response for us. So with Joseph, integrity was his response. He lived with integrity. He did what was right. He didn't justify the injustice done against him to justify his own sin. He lived faithfully. He lived with faithfulness. He was responsible, and everywhere he went, he was given ability, and he did well, and he succeeded, and God was with him, and God was with him, and God blessed him, and so on. And then he showed forgiveness. When he had his brothers cornered, he didn't just lay down the, the hammer of judgment on them and say, Ah, I got you now. Off with their head. Maybe if that was us, we might have done that. But Joseph didn't use that position of power to, to spread evil or harm. He used it for good. And God does He uses his authority and power and providence to bring about good. And we can trust him in that. So application, be faithful where God has you and wait for him to fulfill his plans in your life. Be faithful where you're at. Uh, Psalm 138 verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his plans for me. Be confident of that. That He will fulfill His plans for you. That He will work things together for your good. That that He's working in you to will and to do His good pleasure. Be confident in that. Live with an awareness that God sees everything at all times. What would it look like at work and at home that if you lived with this awareness that God sees you all the time? When you're you're browsing the the web and, and looking at stuff or... Or you're making a decision that that you're tempted to compromise your integrity at work uh, or on your taxes or or whatever, whatever the the, the temptation is, whatever, live with an awareness that God sees you. That should be encouraging to us when we're doing right. A little scary when we're doing wrong or being tempted to do wrong, but let that that reverence move you to do what's right. God sees you. you. You can't play hide and seek with God and win. He sees you. And respond like Joseph and refuse to compromise and and, and 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 say, how can I do this evil thing and sin against God? See those temptations as, as you know, as, as opportunities to sin against God that you don't want to take. Take the way of escape. And lastly, forgive those who harm you, knowing that God is working in and through the most painful situations. This is huge because I know in a room like this, with this many people here, there's several of us. Who've had some really bad things done to us, and those things are wrong, you know. And, and I don't, I don't want you to hear in any way that the injustice and abuse and, and things that may have been done to you are good and should be accepted. And you know, and you, if you're being abused or you've been abused, you should speak up. You Should tell somebody. Some action should should take place. But yet have a spirit of forgiveness, like Joseph. Have a spirit of forgiveness towards those who wrong you with the perspective that God is working through it. God will use it. It won't go to waste. Amen? God's working through it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story in the life of Joseph that uh, encourages us and comforts us being reminded that you are not only with Him, but you are with us, and you're you're more than enough. And you're working. You're at work, in the sorrow and the pain, in the joy and in the gain, in the sin and the suffering, in the laughing, in the lighting. God, you're working. And you have not forsaken us. You've not forgotten us. And so Lord, I pray that you would just come in and just show us. Open our eyes to see where your hand has been upon our lives. And you've shielded us and you've brought us where we're at. Show us how you want to redeem and restore and use our past pains, our scars the adversity the injustice, the wrong done to us show us how you want to work through that God to bring redemption to bring healing and restoration to others to bring comfort to others who are in the pit who are in the prison who are suffering injustice may we be a voice to them and for them Amen